The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that raid Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the car cast after USC's 47, 47, 24 loss to the Utah Utes in Vegas in the Pac-12 championship game. The Trojans had a shot to make it to the college football playoff with a win. They did not get that, and we're going to talk about it, give your reactions, and so much more here on this podcast. As always, you can follow Rain of Troy on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts. Just search Rain of Troy Radio. I'm your host, Mike Garcia, along with my co-host here in the Rain of Troy studio in Los Angeles, Alicia Dertola. Hello, everybody. You know, we didn't go to this game tonight. We did not. All, literally all of our friends were there. They were. Yeah. We had text messages all afternoon um, from people at the game. We saw tweets from people at the game. We um, we got offered tickets to the game last night. We we had a we we considered driving out there at the last minute. We didn't go, and I have to say. Probably the greatest decision we have ever collectively made. <laughs> um, you and me, winners tonight. <laughs> Absolute winners. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe I would be in a better place, like mentally, if I had just been there in person and processed it in person, and then got to walk to a Vegas casino and just drown my sorrows <laughs> where I will not get to drown my sorrows tonight because we're sure. podcasting and I have been working all night. So I have not been able to drown my sorrows. Um, yeah, that sucked. Can I, can I just, can I just start? You're just going to go right into it. If you don't mind. I mean, all right, go for it. That sucked. Um, the, the- that, I mean, that's, that's I mean, a brief sound. podcast done. Okay, let's go. Time for bed. Um, I, I think what sucks the most about that performance is that it was equal parts infuriating um, on all levels of complete and utter failure from this team. Um, it's like having a child that you know is capable of so much and then them failing a class or a test because they just didn't do what they were capable of doing. Mm -hmm. 
And on the other side, it sucks because they did fight and there were signs of life from literally every aspect of this team. I could sit here for an hour and tell you every single player and unit and coach and everything that needed to be criticized to nth degree for the failure that tonight was. And I could spend another hour sitting here and highlighting every single player and patting them on the back for the effort that they gave in this game, for what they tried to accomplish, yeah. for how difficult of a, of a night this was on a million different levels. And so I'm, I'm sort of torn because there's so much that this team was capable of. I sent a text to, to people saying this team is so close they're so close to being something special. And then they run into this kind of game that proves that they're not that something special yet. Um, and it and it hurts because I wanted them to be a playoff team. Like I said weeks ago, this is not a playoff team. I said it after the UCLA game. I didn't think they were a playoff team. And the Notre Dame game almost convinced me that they could be a playoff team. And this whole week I convinced myself that um, if they beat Utah, they would be a playoff team. And then we were talking about like, well, what if they got a good matchup and what if Caleb Williams went off and what if, what if, what if, what if, and it just sucks to get brought down back down to earth with something that I already knew on an inherent level, that this team is not a playoff team. This team was not ready for the playoffs uh, for the, the same reasons we've seen this entire season. Um, it, it's disappointing to, to, to be brought back to earth, but then there's like this war between the disappointment and knowing that this team is hours ahead of schedule, that they weren't supposed to even be in this position. Yeah. And even in a game like this in the fourth quarter, with Caleb Williams on one leg, they had a chance to pull off a miracle in the Pac-12 title game, and the final score doesn't show that, but they had a chance late to to pull off a miracle and do something incredible, and they just fell short. And, like, it's hard to process that feeling of they were so close and yet so far away. <laughs> and, like... Well how do you even begin to discuss this game when there are levels to every single discussion that we could have? Well, one of my frustrations with this game from a talking about it perspective um, is that it's difficult because, you know, watching this game in the first half, um, the first quarter, it was everything SC wanted this game to be. SC jumps out 14 to three. They have a chance to make it 21 to three and push it to, a three-score game, which is what they didn't do at Rice-Eccles in the first game. Um, and they settle for a field goal uh, to make it 17-3. to And earlier on, Caleb Williams has an incredible scramble uh, and ultimately uh, comes up a little bit lame in the moment, but we didn't think anything of it. And the second quarter is brutal. It's absolutely brutal for SC because they – get a gift of a fumble recovery on the ensuing drive after going up 17 to three and have a chance to basically kill the game off. 
you go up 24 to three. And really, if you would have finished off the drive before and you would have had a chance at 28 to three, this game, I think, is over. Yeah. I think it's honestly over. I think you put it into a point where Utah has to to play um, a desperation game. Uh, you take away the run from the Utes. You, you, you sort of force them out of their elements. Um, but it didn't happen because in the second quarter, SC's offense completely clams up. And in the moments, I thought, you know, I thought it was entirely a, you know, a sign of the mistakes that we saw in the first quarter against UCLA. Um, maybe a little bit of the, the, the Oregon State element to it. Um, but mostly the first quarter against UCLA where SC left a ton of points on the field. And I, I, you and I were both tweeting about this. Like, this is a redo of the first game. And you need to kill this game off now because if you let Utah hang around um, and end the second quarter feeling good when they get the ball coming out of the second half, you're just allowing them to do a repeat of what happened in the first game. Mm -hmm. And so that happens. Except, as we see going into the third quarter, our, our friend Heliora tweets it out that Caleb Williams is, is sort of favoring one leg and then they show him and you see it. And it's like, you know what? He was timid on the like all of those drives in the second quarter. Yeah. Like that was a thing. And I think for me, it sort of reprocessed how I look back at the second quarter. And I think that in a way that, yes, you can you can sit there and, you know, say that the game got away from SC in the second quarter if they're able to just kill it off. By the way, I don't have a problem with the fourth and eighth play that Reggie like went off on at, at halftime and, and Leonard did too. Like, don't have a problem with it then. I had no problem with them going for no. the fourth and eight. What I had a problem with was the was the um second and one play that ended in a, a sack. Like yeah. that was the issue, not the fourth and eight. Yeah, and and SC gets into a point where um they end up not being able to take advantage of a, of a, of a gifted turnover and they, they don't take advantage of what could have been 28 to three. If ifs and butts and candies and nuts and all that stuff. Sure. Um, where they come out in the second half tied at 17 and now suddenly Caleb Williams is hurt. And See, the, I suspect that he, that the, if we're calling it a hamstring or whatever it was, looked like a muscle injury. I suspect that that tightened up during halftime. It, it had to have just gotten progressively worse. Yeah. Right. And then the entire second half, you just, you watch a gimpy shell of a man um, yeah. at quarterback. And it's sad because in this game, Caleb Williams makes his Heisman moment, which is that cr incredible run in the first quarter. For me, that was the Heisman moment. Yeah. Um, And he probably makes a second Heisman moment in the, fourth quarter when he leads a touchdown drive but everything between that and after that it was brutal to watch he wasn't the Caleb Williams that we had seen in the first quarter that we had seen all season long and suddenly you know we had everybody knew that this team without Caleb Williams was not going to win uh, a national championship wasn't going to win a Pac-12 wasn't going to win a Pac-12 title no no and that was would have been the same for Oregon, not without uh, Bo Nix, and yeah. it would have been the same and for Washington Utah with, without Penix. Yeah, like that's the same for all of Utah those. Utah without Cam Rising is not in the Pac-12 title game. Exactly. Like, these right? things, yeah. That that is how these things uh, end up coming to be, uh, and for SC to sort of 
be in a game where they could go into the playoff and then the what makes them what makes this team tick and we knew that this was a faulty team that relied incredibly on their offense to the point where you knew that you were going to have to win games in, in shootouts more than likely and they did that against UCLA um for the offense to be the one that sort of crumbles in the end and I know that you know SC gave up 47 points in this game but we're going to talk about the the difference in the offense and the defense here for me it's it's the offense crumbling because of the health issues. Uh, Andrew yeah. Voorhees does not play. Huge and loss. S- I think SC can weather Caleb Williams being hobbled. I think SC can weather not having a run game, and SC can weather not having Andrew Voorhees. You cannot weather all three. At once. At once. Yeah. And that's what SC had in this game. And when you don't have... Like, and then not throw in Andrew- Brett Neal and get a hundred. Yes, and Brett Neal gets hurt. And like at that point, like there is nothing... The, the, the pillars of what S made SC great this year, which was an, an offensive line led by two two studs on, on the offensive line in, in Voorhees and Nilon, mm-hmm. um, who was a big catalyst for, for the running game, you know, opening up gaping holes and all of that. Uh, if that's gone, that takes away so much of, uh, of the, the options that the defenses have or gives the defense, you know, more leverage. And we saw that. They could just get after Caleb Williams and and be able to blitz the house, not worry that he was going to escape. And they could blitz knowing that the, the run game wasn't going wasn't gonna to be there to put Utah off kilter. Everything goes against what SC is doing at that point. They're completely against the, the – the back is against the wall. You need the defense to come through, and we always knew that this was a flawed defense – that wasn't going to be able to hold its own Mm-mm. when push came to shove. They could do it at, at times. They did it against Oregon State. Uh, they did it in over the course of, of different moments. You know, against UCLA, they 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 stepped up uh, in 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 their moments, but they still gave up 45 points in that in that game. And you knew you were going to have to score a million points to sort of make up for this for this offense or this defense. That's what. This team is. That's what this team was. Yeah. Um, and when you get put in a position where your Heisman winning quarterback, uh, presumably, um, is not the guy who he was before because he's injured, it just, I don't know, it makes it really difficult to, I, I'm not going to sit here and say it was it was all about the injuries and there's no chance and that Essie didn't lose this game before or after. Um, that would be that would be foolish to say. And I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, you know, this is, this proves that SC was a paper tiger all along because they're nothing with Caleb Williams. That's stupid too, because this team did have Caleb Williams. Yeah. And you could say that about literally every team in college football, just about that. They're, you take away their starting quarterback and suddenly they're not as good. Oh, like shock. It's, it's not a burn. To, oh. to SC that they are a three or four loss team without Caleb Williams. Ohio State would be in trouble without CJ Stroud. Yeah, and so on. Uh, that, that's just Michigan how it is. Michigan would be in trouble without JJ McCarthy. Right. It Utah just... would be in trouble without Cam Rising. Right. Um, they, you know, just watch the Washington State game and the slugfest that that was to see yeah. what what injuries can do to a team. And frankly, if USC was playing a lesser team, they would have potentially been able to overcome those injuries but we yeah. said in the preview this is a well-coached Utah this is a team, and damn you can't do good that. utah yeah. team kyle whittingham is a damn good coach 
And they came to play and they didn't get demoralized early. And that is a sign of what Kyle Whittingham and them and them are. USC got the short end of the stick and it sucks, but that's what happened. USC got the short end of the stick. Utah took advantage. Um, it's not easy to take advantage. They could have given up in this game. So kudos to them. Um, USC could have done a million other things to, to help themselves in this game. And they didn't. And I think that's where I'm frustrated is I understand the Caleb Williams thing. Yeah. He's hobbled. I understand the Andrew Voorhees thing. Losing him is huge. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. I also understand the defense. I've been saying the defense is what it is. I got dogged on previous podcasts for saying that the defense is not good. I mean, are, are we going to not have that discussion? Because the defense is not good, by the way. Um, yeah. But, but at the same we, time. We knew that going in. We knew this. that going in. And yeah. that's and that's the thing is where I'm frustrated in this game is that it was, for me it was all about timing. Everything was about the timing. Number one, uh, even if Caleb Williams was feeling the effects of an injury in the second quarter, my beef is with Lincoln Riley for not – Number one, recognizing it. Uh, and number two, not adjusting what they were doing on offense until halfway through the fourth quarter. Yeah. Because USC has a fourth quarter touchdown drive because they go to a very simplified, quick passing offense. And guess what happens? USC's athletes make plays and they mm -hmm. get into the end zone. Yeah. In the second quarter, USC did the thing that is always my complaint about this USC this entire time is when the quarterback needs help or when the offensive line needs help, i.e. they need to not have a situation where they're dropping back and long developing plays and the defense is able to get to the quarterback. In those situations, USC should go to a quick passing offense and they don't. They persist with this long drop back, no routes within 15 yards. Caleb Williams has to do something special right. to make something happen. Now, Caleb in against UCLA and against Notre Dame and all these teams is able to do something because he has legs and because he can keep think, keep games alive. Yeah, He didn't have legs in this game, so USC wasn't able to bail themselves out of that situation. And they didn't switch quickly enough to the idea of, we just need to get the ball out quickly. We need to get the ball to... The, the the guys who could make a play and then see what happens. And when they did that in this game, they scored a touchdown. If they had done that in the second quarter, they could have scored touchdowns when they needed to to get this game to a three-score game or or a more comfortable two-score game or, or anything like that. So my, my beef is with Lincoln Riley for not seeing that in the second quarter, not seeing that in the third quarter. So, so can I push back on that thought a little bit? Like I, I'm with you. I think that when it became very apparent, especially in the third quarter, that the that Caleb Williams' mobility was not there, go to the screens, go to the quick passing plays, go to any of those things. We know that that Austin Jones can be very reliable in the passing game. Yeah. Also, Relique Brown, like go to Relique Brown in the screen game, get him involved in the slot, something, uh, provide some sort of different element. Um, you know, SC had a million trick plays for Notre Dame, right? Like. Well then, go to the wrinkles. Do do something in that sense. I'm I'm with you completely. Um, and at one point before the the miracle drive that Caleb Williams comes down and and scores the touchdown in the fourth quarter, I I put on Twitter that you know I had seen enough. Go to, go to Miller Moss that could, because all of his throws were just completely off at that point. At the same time, 
at the same time, I think it is incredibly difficult for you as a head coach who has completely put your faith in a quarterback like Caleb Williams, who has answered the bell every time this season, who has put together a season in which the hallmark of it, more than anything, is how good he is with the ball in his hands in terms of protecting the ball, not making mistakes, not fumbling, not throwing interceptions, uh, making things happen. That I, I totally understand that if you are Lincoln Riley, you believe that you are better off with a hobbled Caleb Williams who can play at a level that no one else can get to than going and throwing in green Miller Moss. Like, That's fair. I like be, you know they they talk about in the broadcast like Cam Rising w- w- was playing hurt at times this year certainly, um and and you, this is you want to believe in in your in your players and so yes. like I get it I thoroughly get it and I think that you only believe in that more when Caleb Williams does have that touchdown drive to make it to th- back to three points which is why in the fourth quarter. which is why I I talk about timing again because timing yeah. wasn't just with the offense timing was with the defense. I will go to bat and say that this defense exceeded expectations for me for three quarters. They did enough to keep USC in this game for the better part of three quarters. To have Utah limited to 28 points through three quarters, including just one touchdown in the third quarter when USC was at its worst offensively, Right. that was enough for the defense. Through three quarters. Is it pretty? No, but the defense is what they are. We know what they are. They're not pretty. They have been effective enough, right? So three quarters is effective enough. You get into that fourth quarter, and what do you need from your defense? You need to not give up back breaking tackle, yeah. missed tackle touchdown. Well, they, they forced the field goal. And I they the, forced the field goal. Forcing the field goal gave SC a chance, even though it it pushed it to, to 10 points and but then, two scores. It gave SC a chance. But then the next three drives for, for Utah, 60-yard, unforgivable, unforgivable 60-yard touchdown reception mm-hmm. for Yasmin, the, the tight end. Unforgivably bad tackling for that. The Jackson 53-yard rush, bad tackling. Yeah. The 23-yard Bernard rush, bad tackling. In between those miserably bad tackling the the problem was that the defense had done just enough to give usc a chance just enough and caleb williams had just enough left in him to maybe pull off a miracle and get and and give usc a chance here and then that's when the defense decided all that bad tackling that we've been doing for three quarters but sort of working around with that we're just going to completely give up lose our crap and just yeah. and say sayonara because that's what happened in the fourth quarter. The defense said, said uncle. And that was what was frustrating is the offense was, was not good enough in the third quarter. The defense just held on the offense in the fourth quarter was trying their hardest despite Lou, Caleb Williams looking like he shouldn't be on the field. Mm-hmm. Brett Nealon getting injured. Austin Jones getting injured. Everyone on that offensive line looked like they had nothing left in the tank. The whole offense looked like they were just done. But they were trying and clawing and grasping, and then you give up a third and 19 
with the most miserable missed tackles that I have ever seen a USC team give up. And your timing was all off. Your timing was just all off and nothing went the way that you needed it to go uh, in the order that you needed it to go in this game to get away with the stuff that happened on offense and the stuff that happened on defense and the stuff that happened on special teams and the random stuff that happened as well. Yeah, uh, when, when you when you needed th- this team to come up with a big play uh, on defense, they they didn't have it tonight. Um, they they had it against UCLA with the big interception at the end. They they sort of paid off the mistake that Caleb Williams had in the end of the UCLA game. They couldn't pay it off this time, and a lot of that is because you know we we've talked about it before. This is a, this is a defense that's playing at a talent disadvantage. Um, they. It is a defense full of three-star recruits. And this is not the, in terms of just sheer talent and depth, this is not the the defense that SC fans have in mind when they're talking about um, Lincoln Riley coming back to SC and bringing back, um, you know, the success of the Pete Carroll era, et cetera. Like these are, not even remotely close to the defense in terms of personnel. No. And I know that there's there's a lot of uh, frustration with Alex Grinch, and I get it. I thoroughly it's, get it. It's fair to be mad at Alex Grinch after this yes. game. He he has to own this game for sure. Right. I I I thoroughly get it. You know, giving up forty, uh, sorry, uh, ninety points to Utah in two games. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not good. good. Not absolutely not good enough. But yeah. uh, we we got a comment from. Uh, the the dirty workers who says Grinch blew third nineteen. He's trash. The scheme is horrible. Go back and watch the third nineteen play. There's like five Trojans there to make the stop. Half of the second it's the half. the tackles. They the, was this that? entire game. I thought, or even earlier on in the run game, I thought SC was in position so many times to make a tackle at the line of scrimmage. And it would turn into a five-yard game. The guy Mm -hmm. would fall forward. He'd make a guy miss, et cetera. There was a play super early on where uh, Shane Lee is right there at the line of scrimmage to tackle a guy and do a run stuff. uh, And the Utah defender spins and just goes right around him. Mm -hmm. I don't know what else you're wanting from the scheme when they are right there in position to make the play. And yes, it it is on Grinch uh, at, at some point when it comes to failed tackles and all of those things. But again, this is not the USC defense that has five-star talent up and down the field. It just isn't. And so, you know, compared to the offense, it is a talent disadvantage. And they've got to be better than this. And Alex Grinch got more out of a defense with similar talent at Washington State, and Mm -hmm. he's got to be better. Yes. But the idea that, like, you know – Suddenly firing Alex Grinch after this game, and I know that this game is not just a one-off This for the defense. The reason that you and I have sort of talked about, like, this defense just is what it is is because of how the defense has progressed throughout the season. I think they started off very good early on in the season. Um, and they waned into mediocre and then bad at different points. Like I, I get it, and maybe we're too lenient on Alex Grinch, but I go back to its year one. This team just led the country in turnover margin. Um, they are at a talent disadvantage in so many areas. They have uh, the the sack leader in Tuli Tupelo, too. Um, 
but and... but very but very little else on that defensive line. Yes. Very little at linebacker. They've got some some talented guys. Uh, I think at corner, but those were also the guys who we have seen be surefire tacklers for much of the season, and they were missing tackles because right. they were just over eager half the time. Um, you, you you've got so much limitations on this defense. Alex Grinch cannot afford another season like this one at USC. No, he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. But in year one, yes, I am going to extend a lot of benefit of the doubt to everyone on this staff in year one because I watched every single second of USC football in 2021. And I can tell you, it was bad. Well, bad, 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 bad. So they are working from the lowest of the low that I've seen I've seen USC. So I'm exactly. going to give them the grace to say, Show us what you got in year two. But if, if year two is the same, then yes, absolutely. Fire Alex Grinch, fire everybody, blah, blah, blah. But the fact of the matter is, like, you're not going to fire the, the defensive coordinator after one year. You're just not going to do it. Now, should uh, Lincoln Riley sit down with Alex Grinch and have a very long and serious conversation about how this is completely and utterly unacceptable? And should Alex Grinch have a long sit down with his defense and say, this is completely and utterly unacceptable and something has to change or changes will be made, whether it's coaches or players who are getting on the field or anything like that. Yes, absolutely. You do that. Um, but, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's just, we're not going to say that USC is going to fire Alex Grinch after year one. Yeah. They, they went 11 and one in the regular season, 11 and two overall at this point. And yeah. And you know, there's, there's comments in the chat about like Corey Foreman being, you know, the number one recruit and yes, hundred percent. Uh, they need more out of Corey Foreman. Which, Absolutely. by the way, they've gotten access to Corey Foreman to coach him up for probably four months of the year, of the 12 months this year, because he had been injured the entire spring, pretty much all of all of uh, fall camp, and only got going later in the season. Like Corey Foreman is its is its own is his own thing. But like, you have to give them time. You have to give them time. The teams, yeah. by the way, the teams that like. The, the the franchises in sports, the teams in sports, the stuff that are perennial dumpster fires are the ones that cut bait every second because they can't allow somebody to establish and figure out what they're doing. Like that a, that a shot at Chelsea. Yes, that's a shot at Chelsea and many other Premier League teams, but also football uh, NFL teams and and all that kind of stuff. So you got to work with what you've got. I'm gonna give Alex Grinch time, but I'm not gonna sit here and say that. Alex Grinch did a good job in this game because, yes, he does bear responsibility for tackling. He does bear responsibility for not having conversations with his team on the sideline and telling them to cool it down, stop going for the strip every time, just complete your tackle um, and all of that. But, like, it, the defense is what it is. It was what it was from this entire season for most of this game. So it's like I don't know why everyone continues to be surprised by what we see every week from this defense. They are who they are. Um, yeah, they, they, they're, they're lacking personnel. And once they get personnel, if this is still the case, then yeah, trust I, me, there will be discussions. I, I think, yeah, absolutely. You, you go in this, this game underscores, um, all the, the issues that the SC has on defense a thousand percent over, uh, and you go into year two and 100% this is it for, for Alex Grinch. You go into year two and it's a put up or shut up year for the yeah. defense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he'll have another year of uh, transfer portal stuff to go after. Um, all of that. And another year to develop guys like Caleb Bullock and, and 
uh, Eric Gentry and, and all of that, you're going to hope that they can replace someone like Makai Blackman at corner, who has been easily one of the most unheralded players on this roster. But it says a lot about your defense when Eric Gentry is the best player on the field for you outside of Tuli Tupelotu, who can only be so effective because teams can just yeah. double and triple team him. But like Eric Gentry is a major work in progress who needs to put on like 50 right. pounds and needs to learn how to, you know, wrap up a tackle every once in a while. Like, this defense is extremely flawed from a personnel perspective. Um, there's a lot yeah. of work to do. But at the same time, you know what? This offense, which has been elite for most of the season, they're also year one. They're also making mistakes that um, that could have changed a game, uh, that, that, that could have created a different result. So it's difficult. Yeah. I saw somebody in the chat who was saying that, like, they, they don't want to hear the sort of, like, it's been a good year kind of stuff. But it has been a good year. It has been a great oh, year. Hold on, hold on. It, you don't want to hear that it's been a good year. So, like, well, then what is there to do? Is it to, yeah. just, to just wallow? Yeah. Because, like, I understand the people who um, who believe I, – I, I understand that, that at the very beginning of the year when I said that this team would be 9-3 and, and you said they'd be 10-2 and two, and people gave a shit for not saying that they'd be a playoff team straight out. Yeah. Um. Because of the transfer portal and all that stuff. But those people were the extreme minority. Unless you were one of those people at the very beginning and you were just riding out that that wave of like championship or bust in year one, then what frame of mind is there to have when that is the 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 takeaway here? I understand this is a heartbreaking loss. I understand that this is a game that shows all of the deficiencies on this team outside of Caleb Williams. I understand that this is a game that you look at the score and if you didn't watch the game, you'd look at it and say SC lost by 23 points to Utah and that's embarrassing. I get that. But this is year one of a team that just went four and eight last year, had like 30 new players on the roster. They, th this team hasn't gone to the playoff ever. Like this, this wasn't this, not to make a soccer reference, because I know that that upsets people. This isn't the Belgian national team that had time after time after time of a golden generation, and this was their one shot yeah. at getting to the playoff and winning the title. This is not that. This is a team who, and a program who is way ahead of schedule, with Lincoln Riley coming to co to the Coliseum literally a year ago, literally a year ago, and we sat here three days ago. Two days ago, really, it was Wednesday night. And reading emails from SC fans saying how great it was to sit here and and enjoy football again one year removed from the the end of the of the Clay Helton era for real, even though he was fired in September, but the end of that season in 2021, and how different everything is. So I know that it sucks right now, and I know that people are mad. And I know that people are sad. And I know, like, I grew up watching this team from, from when I was a little kid. And I know that, like, six-year-old me would be crying my eyes out right now. But I'm, I'm not six. It's not the end like, of the I world. Like, I see the perspective now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and... and... I, like, I know it sucks, but how, how can you not just also sit here and just, like, realize how thankful Essie has been to have Caleb Williams... And how, like, if anything, this underscored how valuable he is to win the Heisman even further. 
So I mean, and that's to me, we're getting questions about whether or not Caleb Williams is still the Heisman winner. If voters watch this game and decide not to vote Caleb Williams as the Heisman winner, they are insane. Yeah. To me, this game only strengthened Caleb Williams' Heisman candidacy. Number one, that run he had in the first quarter where it appears he injured himself was spectacular. A Heisman moment. Everything he did in the fourth quarter was the epitome of somebody battling through everything to try and do anything with nothing else going for him. He battled and battled and battled on one leg. Now, we can have a conversation. Should should uh, he have been allowed to stay in the game late? Personally, I think there was an argument for putting Miller Moss in. Right. Do you win the game with Miller Moss? Hell if I know, but I kind of would have been interested to find out. If you're going to lose 47-24 anyways, I would have been interested to find out. But ultimately, it's pointless because USC wasn't going to win this game without a healthy Caleb Williams. Because guess what? USC loses 47-24. to We saw what a healthy Caleb Williams did, was able to do to this Utah defense. They lost 43-42 last time. So Caleb Williams, we knew he could put up 42 points on this defense. So if USC was going to lose 47-42, I don't know. They could have won 48-47. I don't know. Whatever it was, uh, we might have seen a, a a situation where, yeah, it was fully on the defense, but a healthy Caleb Williams still went out there and, and, and did what he did against against Utah. Yeah. An unhealthy Caleb Williams almost put USC in position to win this game. Like, I don't know how you can watch this and, and think anything more than he solidified uh, his, um, his Heisman to me. Like... It, yeah, it's, it's just you, you know what it was like watching Caleb Williams the, t- tonight. It was like watching. Um, I I I hope friend of the program Nick Shook's not watching, but it's like watching Game Seven, uh, and Aroldis Chapman is pitching in the ninth inning and has just nothing left, but somehow gets through the ninth inning, and like to me that was that drive in the fourth quarter where it's like this dude has nothing. He has nothing. He's put it all out there all season long. He has literally nothing yet left. It is a miracle that he's gotten to this point um, to get this far. And if anything, that just underscores that even in a moment where you could say it was, uh, it should be a downer and a heartbreaker. Um, and for Rolos Chapman, the eighth inning was certainly that. Uh, for Caleb Williams, this game should be that because it's the loss and it's the it's the game that you know keeps him out of the playoff and all that stuff. But did nothing more than underscore how valuable he is to, to USC and how valuable he is yes. to, to the Heisman Trophy race. So, yes, absolutely. Um, all right. We, we've gotten a bunch of questions. There's a, there's a bunch of chatter in the chat. Uh, by the way, before we get to all the chat, um, a, moment, a moment of recognition for Utah here. They're um, a damn good team. A damn good team. Yeah. Kyle, Kyle Whittingham, um, you know, Gets puts the Utes in the Pac-12 championship game for the fourth time in five years, and I, I I'm with them on the broadcast. Winningham and and uh, or, um, Rocky were talked about not counting the COVID season. You know us, we don't count the COVID season either. Um, even though that was the COVID season which benefited USC, of course. But th- this is a team that has turned the Pac-12 into theirs, uh, and. You know, you were always going to have SC was always going to have to be on their game uh, to beat a Utah team, which is why 
the whole like you know Utah playing the oh well, no one believes no one believes in us time. yeah it's like guys oh, no oh here we go and everyone's crowning Caleb Woods like all of that stuff super tongue in cheek but that's that's coach speak that's, that's yeah. is what it is Kyle Whittingham is an exceptional head coach who has created a program that is year in year out consistently yeah. strong if not great. Um, and, you know, I see a lot of people asking about like the defense and, and all that kind of stuff. Like, how could you lose to this Utah team? How Utah doesn't have as much talent as USC, all that kind of stuff. Are you going to quote James Strauss now? I don't know who you're referring to. That's probably better off. No. Okay. Well, my, my point is simply that what Utah is, is a reflection of a decade of Kyle Willing, Whittingham building a program. Yes. Right. What USC is this year is the first step of Lincoln Riley building a program. And yeah. there are, le- there are differences like having an established program does help you win games because yeah. every single one of those players that played on the field for Utah tonight were recruited by Kyle Winningham and his staff. It makes a difference to have your guys in place, ready to go, knowing your system all the time. USC is not the finished article. Um, no, but this is why we look forward to the future with USC if if Lincoln Riley can do can build consistency the way that that Kyle Whittingham has built consistency at Utah, he's going to dominate whatever conference he's in. Yeah, well, um, well, I mean, to be in the position where SC was, to you know, be a uh, what forty five minutes from the playoff, um, and and to, to do it against uh, a, a team like Utah, which SC was trying to do, like. It's a testament for you know how how bright the future is for yes. SC as it stands right now. And so. the future could, remains bright for Utah so long as they have Whittingham running the show. That's that's my firm belief. Um, yeah. So, all right, they're, uh, they're they're the they're the team to beat in the Pac-12. They they continue to be it. Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. Best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Rain of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Rain of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
we we had a ton of questions here on on YouTube, and the reason that I bring up Utah is because if you're watching us here on YouTube, uh, there there are a ton of people in the chat, um, wearing the uh, the bright red of of the Utes, and, and we, some we, wearing the crimson of the Oklahoma as well. And we we, we all must you have guys. wonderful social lives. Well, you, you don't have to go that far. I'm we, just saying we we welcome the patrons. We welcome um, the patronage, but I have already put a message in the chat, and I will reaffirm that uh, if you're just here to troll, I'm not interested. It, it SC lost. What do you expect? Uh, let's go to a question we got from, um, or a message we got for, here in the chat from from Glenn. I'm using this car cast as a grief counseling session. There you go. Yeah, I'm, I mean that's that's what we're using it for. Um, to just sort of process uh, some very complex feelings about a really disappointing game. And um, yeah, I hope that we help uh, USC fans in there uh, who are earnestly trying to process a very disappointing game. And what can we do? Spoo says, why do we choose to be fans of a sport that does nothing but kick us in the figurative balls? Because we are all masochists in the end. Yeah, everybody. Everybody, every sports fan, that's all that's all it is. The, the crazy thing about being a sports fan is you sign up for something that is going to make you sad 97% of the time. Mhm. Like realistically. Well, because USC, I mean, you can't even be happy after you're 11 and 2. You've you've experienced well, 11 saying. victories well, and the- two defeats and everyone's losing their crap about how everything is miserable. And I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I feel damn miserable right now too, but like I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and remember like what a special season this has been and sort of process through this. But like, if you're not able to do that, if all you're going to do is sit here for the next nine months and tell us that we need to fire Alex Grinch, then I don't know. I don't know why you, I don't know why you bother. (laughs) Well, this is the whole, like um, part of it is the, um, you know, you root for a sports team, but realistically, how many times are, is your favorite sports team, no matter what sport it is, whatever it is, going to win a championship and leave you happy at the end? It's rare. Like, legitimately, it's rare, right? And so you're literally signing up for something to be mad 97% of the time. Literally only one team gets to end the season with the trophy. Yes, which, but that's why I love college football, because you get it doesn't the have to be that yeah. way. You get USC the balls, can... baby. Well, I mean, they're, they're going to ruin it with the, with the 12 – 12 team playoff. That's a a whole other side side of things. Uh, Jasper Smith says, What bowl will we get? Uh, It's going to be the Cotton Bowl, more than likely. Um, January 2nd, most likely in a matchup that plays out well for SC. SC, all of the the, um, projections for the Cotton Bowl, uh, I believe the Cotton Bowl gets like the last pick or whatever. has been that the Cotton Bowl is going to have the uh, Group of Five uh, top team, which is going to be like Tulane, USF, uh, sorry UCF, not USF. USF would have been a a, a real yeah. uh, suitable opponent for SC, but UCF um, or Tulane, and not to say that those teams are, are pushovers, but like compared to you know, SC having to play Georgia, which three hours ago we were thinking potentially um, is a, uh, is a big different thing, but uh, yeah, back to the cotton bowl with, uh, with Jerry at Jerry world, a place the Trojans have never won, but an opportunity to 
right the ship there. And it's a place that Lincoln Riley has a lot of success. So who knows? Um, maybe, maybe things changed there. Um, Bando TV says, which two losses are better now, USC fans, yours or Alabama's? Uh... Well, first of all, Alabama didn't get the opportunity to play in a thirteenth game. Alabama would have gotten a third loss if they were playing to, were playing on Saturday in the in the SEC championship. I can tell you that. Um, just like LSU is going to get a third loss playing in the SEC championship game on Saturday night too. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I I keep going back to if we talk about wins, who is Alabama beat this year? Alabama is not an impressive team this year. Um, I say that they, they have not beaten anybody impressive. Uh, the the thing about Alabama is I would still put my money behind Nick Saban in, in, in any coaching matchup. Um, I think that Alabama is what USC is not in that I think Alabama's defense is just okay and their offense is just okay. And so they've just been sort of like meh, but they're not bad at anything where it's like USC is bad at defense and really good at offense. So like if you put, if you put USC and Alabama in a, in a sort of resume debate, um, yeah, you could come out saying that Alabama would deserve to be in, be over over USC, but like you could also say that USC deserves to be over Val- Alabama too. Like I, I think you're comparing apples and oranges at a certain point. When it comes down to it, Alabama does not have an impressive resume. When it comes down to it, USC's resume is I don't, I don't know. You argue it's better. Um, is it worse to lose to? The same team twice? I don't, I don't know. It's, yeah. None of this matters in the end. It, it, it's not it a factor. Doesn't, it doesn't matter at all. Yeah. Uh, the, the underdog says hindsight is twenty twenty, but should we have put Miller Moss in? Okay, so we talked about this a little bit earlier. I think that my issue with the Miller Moss thing is, number one, it's very hard to take Caleb Williams out. Number two, I, sitting at home, would have liked to see at least what Miller Moss could have done but also Lincoln Riley on the field there at that game. Would it have been fair to put Miller Moss into that game with the offensive line playing the way that they were? Would it have been fair to put him in without the support of a, of a run game? Um, I don't know. I, I, I think it would have been interesting. I think I would have been just curious enough to find out, but also that is the last spot you want to put your backup freshman quarterback into a game that's that's just where i'm at like that's the last spot you want yeah i in the moment like you know i i tweeted there's a tweet out there me saying there's time to put miller moss in um that was before the drive that Caleb williams came down and you know led the touchdown in the fourth quarter but i i'm really with you i think the, i think the biggest thing is it's the the play calling despite all of that and that's where i think that lincoln riley can take um, some criticism in this game is that they didn't go to more screens and quick passes and all those things. Um, they were still relying on everything working as if the offensive line wasn't without their best lineman. And as if their Heisman winning court, Heisman expected to win quarterback um, was at a hundred percent. And, and as if, you know, Austin Jones was, wasn't, uh, you know, dinged up and 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 not having his best game either. So like, I I I don't know that the offense was was necessarily put in the best position. And part of that is because Caleb Williams has just been like we talked about has been so damn good 
that I thoroughly understand why you sit there and believe that Caleb Williams is still going to figure it out at the end of the time. And he did figure... He did did against Oregon State. But after the point where I was saying, I'd just throw Miller Moss in there, he did figure it out and let a touchdown drive. So, like, I don't even know. Yeah. It was an impossible situation. The fact of the matter is, neither Caleb Williams nor Miller Moss were going to create a comeback for USC when the defense gave up those the three touchdowns that they did in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Valente says, how do you think Helton does with Caleb Williams? Dude, <laughs> we're, we're going there. Really? It, it, we let, Let's moratorium. It's been over a year. We, we spent a significant portion of the season with people yelling at us to stop talking about Clay Helton. So I think we're going to apply that. Um, I think the Clay Helton era is, is only re- relevant at this point to say that SC is just over one calendar year removed. That's it. I don't know what else to say. Um, Cameron says, do you think the turf played a role in the game? No, I, I let, let's, let's stop talking about the turf and the, the crown at Oregon state. Um, this, this wasn't soldier field in December. Uh, they weren't playing in Oakland with the, uh, with the A's uh, infield in there. Uh, no, I, I don't, I don't think that the turf played a role. I, did, did you think the turf played a role? Um, I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying that. Um, personally, I didn't see anything in particular that made me think the turf played a role. I, there are a lot of like NFL players who yes. are arguing against turf and like, maybe there's something to it, but if it was the case, like, in this game, we've also seen USC suffer significant injuries on, on grass. grass. Travis that... Dye busted his his leg on yes. grass just in a freak accident. Like it, it is, it is very hard for me in an individual game to separate that it was the turf versus if they had been playing on grass, would yeah. Caleb Williams not have pulled a blame, or would would uh, Brett Nealon not have had his whatever happened to his I... leg or anything? Like it, it's um, this is like blaming we can't um, say. special. T- uh, I mean, special teams, um, um, strength coaches for injuries. I understand why. I understand how you get there because you just want to you want to have someone to blame. I get yeah, it. I yeah. thoroughly get it. But like, and I and I understand that you know when someone gets hurt on on um, you know field turf that you you want to you want to feel wrong and you want to feel like there was an excuse for those things. And I'm sympathetic to like the NFL players that want to get turf banned at all these different places. Um, I'm sympathetic to those ideas because I'm not playing on the turf. What, what do I know? The only thing that I know is I've seen a million games on grass where these things happen there too. And it's all this, like, I don't know that the numbers actually bear it out that the turf is, is that worse. This is not the, the AstroTurf from like 1984 that ruined Andre, Andre Dawson's knees. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it, it's it's not that, um. Yeah, it's I, I I like talking about things that we we can point to with more than just a, a hunch. So yeah, I I, I I I get it, Cameron. I just I just can't do it. Um, Francisco says, "What's better, an elite offense, elite defense, blah offense, or elite offense and blah defense?" Uh, uh, ask, and Michael. ask Iowa how much they enjoyed their season and then get back to us. So, What's better is having a good 
being good at both or being yes. elite at one and good at one. Like if you're going to be, it, it doesn't have to be a zero sum game. You can be good at one and elite at the other. Like it, you know. I, I think if it's, if it's being elite at one and bad at the other. Give me the honest, offense. I'd honestly, rather watch it. Give me the better offense. Yeah. Now, if we're talking about like having a world-class offense or defense and a mediocre other side, then yeah, I think that you can go with the, the, the defense. Like there, there's a reason that Georgia, I think is, is going to be the favorite to, to win the playoff. And that's because of their defense. And yes, uh, defense wins championships in that sense. But they're the only – well, Michigan's defense has been great this year too. But, like, they're the only defense that I feel confident in that would shut down everybody. But you know what else, though? Georgia has a really good defense, like exceptional, elite. And they're not as good as they were last year. But their offense is very good too. Like, Stetson Bennett – is a is a dog like he he is is the the mentality of, he might not have like the talent that you want but he's got the mentality that you want right. you got you've got athletes at wide receiver you've got running backs you've got an offensive Brock line. Bowers at tight end is like the best tight end prospect yeah. in like a generation so like you know Georgia Georgia is the example of what I was talking about where they are elite at one and good at the other like they average yes. 38.3 points per game. Like it's not like they have a bad offense. Right. Like the they're reason they're either. the favorite is because they have an elite defense and a good offense. Right. So yeah. But for yeah. all those dose. And I, I go back to there's, there's a reason that, that Nick Saban has gone all in on offense. Like uh, he, he, not that he's gone all in on, on offense, the detriment of completely forgetting about defense. Um, Alabama's defense is nowhere near the, nearly as good as they were you know, 15 years ago or 10 years ago at this point. Um, but um, that's just because the game has evolved. Um, and uh, yeah, he's, he's not giving up on his defense, certainly. But And this is not to say that SC uh, can win championships as they were made. Uh, we've talked about before, like the, the LSU team of, of 2019 was the, probably the closest thing that you could get to a great offense and a bad defense. But that bad defense still had uh, Dave Aranda as the defensive coordinator. So yeah, they were they were they still had that working their way. Um, Joey uh, says, think thinking ahead here with a with a question, but what is considered an acceptable year two defense under Alex Grinch? Uh, is it just a small improvement, or is it a top thirty defense that can create turnovers? Um, I. If it's a top 30 defense, I will be very, very happy. I think if you're top 40 and you create turnovers, you're probably okay. The bigger thing for me with this defense is being less susceptible to giving up 40-plus points in a game, which yeah. is what I was talking about like early, before the season started, is that if you have a big criticism of Alex Grinch, it's that it's feast or famine. It's that you're either holding teams under 20 or you're giving up 40. And USC has given up 40 plus, um, let's see, tonight, one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, six times, and they give up 38, uh, sorry, 27. Yeah, so they give up 46 times. Like, you can't be doing that. You you can maybe have like one or two 40 point games when you're playing the really elite defenses and you have an elite offense that can outscore them. Like, I'll give you that. Sometimes crap happens. You can't be giving up 46 times in a season. Um, so yeah. it's not necessarily like the rankings metrics, although obviously if you could get into the top 30 or 40, 
um, then that would feel very good. But you can be top 30 or 40 and still have too many games where you give up the 40 points. Um, so and that's your issue. What are we talking about when we say top 30? Again, that's why it's it's like, I don't know, uh, scoring defense. talking about total yards? I don't care. Yeah, total yards doesn't matter. Scoring defense does matter more to me on that front. Um, We're talking about yards per play. I mean, TCU this year was 59th. Uh, as it stands now, before the J- Big 12 championship game, T- TCU has a uh, their scoring offense is 24.5 points per game. Like if you were at 24.5 per game, you'd feel better. USC is 60th with 26.3 points per game. Um, your average should probably be as close to 20 as you can manage. Yes. Uh, which would put you if you were okay. if you were at 20 this year, you'd be 27th. So top 30 so yeah you'd feel good but again i don't care if you have a 20 point average defense if you're giving up 40 points in the games that you don't that you can't afford to give up 40 points in right i I think there's you want consistency but yes i I think you can win a a championship with a 20 point defense um especially one oh absolutely especially with a lincoln riley coach team that's going to have an offense that you would imagine to be fairly potent you hold teams to 20 points you're you're going to be fine. Um, yeah. The LSU team of 2019 gave up 21.9 points per game. Yeah. Um, SC this year, going into tonight, was allowing 26.3. So there you go, five points, close four or five points. You you gotta get some some improvement Which there. USC is uh, four or five points better than they were last year in terms of scoring defense. And again, yes. score, it, it, these margin, these metrics are only so good. Like USC gave up 31.8 points per game last year. Going into this game, they were at 26.3. So there's improvement. But these metrics, again, are, you know, uh, they're, they don't tell the whole story. We talk all the time. You want to pass the eye test. The biggest thing for me going into next year is to pass the eye test more often because even yeah. when they were getting stops – the turnovers helped this defense quite a bit, but like you need to pass the eye test a lot more because on in a game where you're not depending on turnovers, like you need to not get completely rolled over. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. Uh, let's go to a question from Jack. Does Caleb still have the Heisman in his favor and does his injury affect him? Uh, as I said, if a Heisman voter watched this game and decided not to give a vote to Caleb Williams, after watching this game, their vote should be rescinded and they should get their eyes checked. Yeah. Nothing about this performance from Caleb Williams convinced me that he is less of a Heisman winner. It, and it's different than, say, the injuries to Bo Nix, who then it showed a drastic, um, you know, he wasn't as good in his last two games, as, as last two and a half games or whatever, as he was before that. Uh, Hendon Hooker, who just ended the season early, um, it's a little bit different than, than those injuries in that this was literally the last game and everyone had already anointed him beforehand and he did not play badly in this game at all. 363 yards, three touchdowns through the, uh, through the air. Yes. SC had one horrendous corner in which they gained literally one yard in the third quarter. And he, he but, ends, he ends with 12 attempts for 21 yards, but like, that is heavily affected by fourth quarter sacks when he literally cannot move and his offensive line is yes. literally two doors and a and a a, a fence post. His, um, his his numbers are right at the season averages of everything that he's done this year. Yeah. 
So yeah. even also, in a bad game, for just, him to do that is is pretty much sealing the high Just as the update on, on Caleb Williams, Lincoln Riley in the post-game press conference says that his hamstring popped, Ooh. popped on that run and that he was not even 50% on the hamstring for the rest of the game. So again, Heisman voters, if you watch that game, after you hear that a player had their Heisman pop during a Heisman run and then played the rest of the game at 50% on that hamstring. Hold on, hold on. What if the committee? <laughs> no. Okay. No, can, I'm, I'm not going to go down. Let's have the, no, let, let's have the, the playoff conversation. For the a Dan second. Wetzel argument. The again? Dan Wetzel, Stu Mandel, a lot of other people were sort of making comments about how like USC should have just skipped this game because they'd be in the, play, in the playoff if, if they had. And as I said last time, I think that that's a fair argument. Certainly, uh, it's it's logical. It tracks. I, I I agree that it is unfair to USC that they had to play a 13th game, had to have the injury situation happen the way it did, and now they're not going to get to play in the playoff. Having said that, when USC beat UCLA after that game, I came on here and said, this doesn't feel like a playoff team to me. And that was mainly because the defense just didn't look like a playoff team. The committee will not look at this game. Put aside the injury stuff. Put aside the injury stuff and Caleb Williams and all that kind of stuff. The committee will not look at this game and put USC in the well, uh, no, in, in the no, playoff. USC might have if USC had lost, let's say twenty-seven to hold, twenty-four. Hold on, hold on. Purdue win. USC's not getting an over. K State wins over Michigan. No, USC's not getting an over. LSU TCU. wins. USC is not getting in over Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. It's not happening. But if USC had, had lost, you know, 27, 24 under the circumstances that the, the injuries on offense were a part of, maybe we're having a very different conversation about whether or not the committee has a reason to put USC in, not the way that that defense played, not the way that they missed tackles, not the way that they gave up 47 points. Um, take the fourth quarter away and maybe you still got that argument, but that fourth quarter was so horrendously bad. Uh, that uh, yeah, it was it was playoff disqualifying. Um, but not Heisman disqualifying. No, because that again, yeah. Caleb, Caleb Williams wasn't playing on defense. Like he didn't get to control that. Luke, Luke says, do you anticipate any coaching changes and think we should make changes? I think there will be changes, just because there's always some sort of something. Number, someone's gonna go somewhere. Someone's gonna take another opportunity to advance. Number one, I I, I would remind people that. Tragically, USC lost their inside wide receivers uh, coach Dave to Nichols. Uh, Dave Nichols to cancer at the very beginning of this year. They had the uh, a a uh, an, an analyst or assistant or whatever move up into that role um, for the season. I would not be surprised if there was a shuffling of offensive or defensive coaches based on hiring somebody up they could just promote i forget I, I should know who they who they promoted up to that that role um they could just give him the full-time job but i suspect that they will have an opportunity there to go out and hire somebody um luke heward is the guy who took over for uh, dave nickel um so you know i i think that there's a chance that that will be a change on on the staff as you said people will get opportunities potentially and we'll see if that changes the staff elsewhere. Yeah. Um, th there'll, there'll be something that, that happens. You, you never, Although, something you never expect that always happens, but I, I don't think you, there's going to be like 
Grinch and like all these dudes getting fired tomorrow. Like that's not. So what would be more likely is like someone like uh, I don't know who Keel McDonald or something. Uh, Kyle Kyle. McDonald. I know I just say it wrong. Kyle McDonald like getting an offensive coordinator gig somewhere because he's very very good at his job. Yeah. Um, something like that. If you want defensive changes, uh, none of USC's defensive coaches are getting an, well, a defensive coordinator job after well, this season. Alex so. Grinch w- had been talked about as a, uh, as a head, head coach. Well, he's not getting that opportunity after this probably, either. Probably not, but um, you never know. You, you, you never know how things go. Um, Lamont says, question, I thought they should have let uh, Damani try his, his luck on Dalton Kincaid because he's big, fast, and physical enough, assuming he's healthy enough to play. What do you think? Um, we don't know if he's healthy. Did, did you notice him at all in the game? Did you, did you I, notice if I don't remember seeing, um, Domani in the game? No. Yeah. Co- Covington started in the, the other corner spot. And Covington did not, uh, I mean, uh, it was hard to keep track of who was missing tackles, but I don't remember yeah. Covington being like the prime suspect, uh, for UN, USC in this game on that front. I thought, I thought he had a couple actually good moments. So, um, the uh, the Domani question is more for me of I would wager he might not be healthy because he was getting playing time when he was healthy and he stopped getting playing time when he wasn't. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Dave the Greater says, I heard Ryan has a Heisman vote. Ryan Abraham over at USCFiggle.com. He does. Do you have a Heisman vote? We do and not. If, if, I was gonna Spoiler. I was going to pretend like he did. My bad. Wow. Uh, and if not, why does Ryan have one and you don't? Because Ryan's been around forever. Ryan is like 73. He's been around for a long time. <laughs> I don't think and he's 73. But... We're like 26. So <laughs> we are like, not 26. We have just been, not been around long enough. So. Yeah. Uh, no, we, we, we love Ryan. And, and I, I think Ryan is like 50 or something. Ryan has been the per- Ryan has been the purveyor Doesn't of USC. Doesn't look a day over thirty. <laughs> Ryan has been the purveyor of USCFootball.com for two decades, and he he uh yeah, he deserves a Heisman vote. We have not been purveyors of if, a major USC site for two decades. If you could have a vote for anything, what would it be? It would probably be Heisman because I would feel I, the least guilty about it. You and I have talked yes. before that being members of the FWAA, we get like all American votes and stuff like that. And I feel very uncomfortable with that because maybe, you know, even now I watch a lot more college football broadly because of, because of my day job. But like, uh, when you go into like vote for an all American team, it's like, it's hard to say it's impossible who the good people are yes. when you're just covering sort of one team. That's the dirty secret of like all of this voting stuff is that like, I don't know. Maybe it's my imposter syndrome being very strong, but like it, I don't I know how any of these people have enough knowledge to actually make informed decisions yes. about everything. If, if you're watching a lot, of, a lot of college football, I think you can definitively say who the best quarterback is, who the best running back is, maybe the best receivers. Yeah, but how do you pick? Uh, you, do, you don't have to just rely on stats. But like linemen, oh, it's impossible. Who, who am I to say who the hell the best center is? I don't even know that an offensive line expert could tell you because you just have to watch so much stuff. Like, how do you even how do you even know? And how do you how do you compare properly? Yeah. Like, it, it's difficult. Heisman is easier though because, like, you know. Yeah, yeah, agreed. 
Uh, I, also, I, if I had a Heisman vote, like I would use it on defensive players. I, I think way a more best picture vote would, would be interesting because you could just watch all the movies. Yeah. But I, you still have to watch like a million movies. I never watch a million movies. Yeah. wouldn't know what to do. Um, Christopher says, uh, can we get kicked out of the New Year's Six or Cotton Bowl? No. I, SC is going to be ranked as the highest Pac-12 school, period. Uh, they're not going to fall um, below Utah. SC is going to be ranked on Saturday, like on Sunday, like sixth, yeah, or something like that. So um, they'll still be in the top ten. They will still yeah. be a, a easy choice. For, they might be fifth. Uh, they they yeah. literally might be fifth. So yeah, yeah they're they're not going to fall out. Uh, Dave the Greater says, "Do you th- still think Gentry deserves the 55? Uh, it depends what we're talking about. I think a player needs to be wearing 55. They just need to give it to somebody." Um, and if you want to give it to Gentry, I'm fine with that. You know what I support? But is Gentry the guy who I picture when you put the 55 on somebody? No. 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 You know what I support? Go all in on the 55 as a recruiting tool because guess what? You're losing the ability for it to be a recruiting tool by not having it active. Also, that's how – like I I, I hate making this rant because I know like there's – emotions involved and i know that everyone got very uncomfortable about talking about the number 55 when junior died then retire it i get it but i just want to get like a freaking bullhorn and say he literally bestowed the jersey on willie mcginnis yes it was a recruiting tool for willie mcginnis that's what started it as a number 55 that's the whole point of the number 55 is that it was a recruiting tool yeah I get that we're now we're all terrified because, oh my God, what if it goes to someone who's not as good as Willie McGinnis like or, or Junior Seau? Who cares? Well, the whole what? point is that it is a recruiting tool and that they're li- like by wearing it, his legacy lives on by not by putting it like. But in this on, weird on the in between, it doesn't help anything. Yeah, in this weird in between, where either retire it or. Put it back in circulation and stop making it such yeah. a thing where no one can wear it because no one is worthy. Well, no one's ever going to be worthy if no one is worthy. And right. like by the time somebody is worthy, they might be more attached to their number than the 55 that hasn't been in circulation for 15 years. Right. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Or maybe they'll find a Jordan Addison type thing and give it to give it to that. Whoever okay. wins the butt kiss this year now is, the transfer portal. Now is the best time to use it as a as a recruiting tool because now you find the best linebacker you can in the transfer portal and just <laughs> give it to them. David Bailey, come on down. Yeah. Uh, Hokey P says, would you personally consider USC back? I think next year is when we will know. I think we can definitively say back because I have no I have no reason to think that they won't be as good as they are this year, next year. Um Will they be in the hunt for the for the playoff again and be like a one loss to go eleven or one again? Maybe not, but like I think that they're still going to be more than relevant, and we're all going to sit here in the preseason and predict them going ten and two or better. So I, there's no reason not to think that they are back. Um, USC was back the moment that they hired Lincoln Riley. If we're all being honest, um. The reason that we don't even need to talk about USC being back is because USC is 11-2 and two and people are pissed about it in year one. Yeah. And Lincoln Riley is going to continue to have uh, 
incredible seasons going forward because Caleb Williams coming back next year and he's got Malachi Nelson coming down the pipeline and he is a proven head coach who is consistently in the conversation. So yes, we don't need to uh, get that back. SJ says, when they expand the playoffs to 12 teams, do you think that will be the end of conference championship games? Seems to be a disadvantage for teams playing the extra game. No. Why not? Because buys are at stake now. Because the way that the 12-team playoff is going to work, winning your conference title game is that much more important. Do you think that we look at conference championship games different? Will we look at them like in basketball where they don't hurt for losses, only wins? Uh, no, the win matters because the way that the 12-team playoff right, is supposed to be set up. Right, but will the loss matter? The loss will, only, the loss will matter because you won't get a buy. If Georgia, in, in the context of this season, right, if LSU beat Georgia, um, either way, this year Georgia is going to be in the playoff. But in the context of the 12-team playoff, if LSU beat Georgia, LSU would be a top four team and get a bye because the top four teams is, – Is that the how top, they're actually yes, doing the it? Yes, the top four I have is – tuned the, all of this out because it's all very I'll, sad I'll, I'll explain it. to me. I'll explain it very quickly for you. Okay. The top four teams – Like I'm five, please. Are the top four – the top four teams – in the 12-team college football playoff are the top four conference champions of the power or conference champions, um, presumably of the power five, but you could have like a Cincinnati in there. That's like number four. So you have one, two, three, four are the top four conference champions and everybody else is the, the at large bids with at least one group of five champion, the highest ranked group of five champion represented. So like for this year, you would have, presumably Georgia and Michigan and TCU and Utah. And then the rest of your field would include Tulane, probably at number 12 or whoever UCF, whoever it is. And then the USC's Alabama's Tennessee's Ohio state's blah, blah, blahs of the world. So the conference title game in the 12 game setup would matter immensely because that's the difference between Georgia getting a bye week and not, or Michigan getting a bye week and not, or USC getting a bye week and not. I get that from that standpoint, but imagine you were, say, Washington. And let's say that Washington got into the Pac-12 championship game as a two-loss team. Mm -hmm. They are fringe to get into the playoff, in the 12-team playoff, right? Well, it would be the Utah-Washington situation here, where if USC had beat Utah, Utah has three losses and falls out, but Washington, who didn't play, gets in. Yeah, like like that seems you know, problematic. Yeah, or 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 the inverse. Washington is um, in position and then loses this game and then falls out, kind of thing. Because and Utah benefits either way. Like, yeah, that that's where I think it's kind of it's kind of weird. And I think that we might end up looking at them like we do basketball games. There will always but, be complaints and there will always be changes. So. Yeah, this is why we need to go to the Michael. whatever is necessary yes if you if you are new to the program and a lot of people are here now that we are on youtube this is the the michael method at the end of the conference championship week you look at it and you say okay these are the teams that we have now let's draw up a playoff bracket that works for the problems that we have as we stand now, it, there's a very good chance there will be three undefeated teams and then like a bunch of like two lost teams. And Ohio State might be like the only one lost team, right? 
if that's if that's the case, then I guess a four-team playoff might make the most sense if you're going to put Ohio State in. Realistically, though, should be a three-team playoff. How do you do a three-team playoff? Uh, Georgia gets a bye, and then TCU and Michigan play each other. There you go. That's how the Michael method would work. It'd mm-hmm. be great. It'd be, in some years, you'd have you need like a sixteen-team playoff. Other years. Sorry, no playoff. There's just one good team. That's it. Yeah, I'm sure the uh, TV deals and bowl <laughs> deals and all that would love it. I know. Uh, Daniel says, Michael, don't you think we owe it to Grinch and Newitt to recruit their own players for a year? Yeah, I think so. I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, r- okay. During this offseason, when USC was in the transfer portal, they were literally grabbing anybody they could on the defensive line because they didn't have anybody on the defensive line. And like... They got Tyrone Teleni and Solomon Bird and guys who were able to contribute this year, but like those are not the le- those are not like Power Five starters in terms of profile. Yeah. Uh, the people that USC was relying on, I, it's hard. I give the defense a lot of credit for playing hard for most of the year. I'm very disappointed at the way that it went down at the end of this game because it looked like they just had stopped playing hard or just lost their minds. But like dudes were contributing as best they are capable of contributing for most of this year. But there, the limitations on USC's defensive line, like don't get it twisted. The limitations of for USC at linebacker, don't get it twisted. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's a lot of recruiting that needs to get done. A lot of it. And as, as somebody in the in the uh, in the chat pointed out too, like part of the part of the um, the formula for being a championship team is depth as well. Being able to handle the injuries that you have. And like this is where shout outs to, to Utah. Um, they lost their top two defensive linemen, uh, to defensive ends. Um, they lost Brant Keithy. They lost Dalton Kincaid. Who stepped up next? Uh, the third string or fourth string tight end. Who was stepping up? The defensive linemen that were that were in this game. USC does not have that depth at all. At all. Like, certainly not on the offensive line. Definitely not on the defensive line. Definitely not at linebacker. Um, the only place where they had that kind of depth this season really was at wide receiver. Uh, so, yeah, depth matters too. It's not just about whether or not USC had you know, USC had an 11 and one sort of front line in the end. But uh, once you sort of scratch off that surface, you're left with not very much because you'd never had depth to begin with. Yeah. Uh, Randy says, uh, where are all these trolls after our 11 wins? They uh, don't have a lot to talk about, but uh, apparently people I, have a lot of time on their hands on a Friday night. So, so. I, I, first of all, I, I don't mind trolls at all. Like I, I I never want to be the person who just like deletes and blocks all the people who do come in here. Oh, I'm a muter. I, I I mute anyone who is not good for my mental health. I mute. Sorry. If that makes me soft, that's fine. But like my mental health comes ahead of your weird, sick enjoyment of other people's no, uh, pain. I, I don't well, know. Sure. I, what I'm saying is like, I, I know who we are. We, we, yeah. we look at, we look at this, we look at the team objectively. We look at, we talk about this, the, College football objectively, I think we think we do a good job of that. Um, and I think that we're always willing here to, you know, to, to be fair to, to everything else. So, like, I don't want to sit here and just, like, 
block opposing fans and stuff willy-nilly. Like, that's lame. So, like, I always give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, if people, you know, don't want to give themselves the benefit of the doubt by acting a certain way, that's a, that's that's on them. So. Yeah. Uh, as, Gra- as Graham in the chat says, another sign that USC is back? The trolls. Yeah, we had a hell of a lot less trolls in the chat last year. Let's, we, well, in our comments and our mentions last year, because we didn't, we weren't doing YouTube last year, but yeah, I don't know. My thing about trolls though, is that like, if I weren't sitting here recording this show, um, what would I be doing? I would be watching a TV show or I would be playing a video game or you'd, you'd be on TikTok, probably. Um, or I would let's, be on TikTok. Let's be honest. Tomorrow while I'm walking around the house, like puttering around or whatever, what will I have in my ears? I will be listening to shows that bring me joy because they're interesting. Like I'll listen to You Are Good, which is the feelings podcast about movies. I will be listening to Scam Goddess because I love Lacey Mosley and learning about scammers. And I would be listening to, um, you know, maybe a, a, a USA soccer podcast or whatever to drown my sorrows and whatever happens to USA tomorrow. What I will not be listening to on any day of any time, like after the Notre Dame game, the last thing you catch me doing, ain't nobody got time to be on a Notre Dame podcast listening to them be sad. Ain't nobody got time to listen to a UCLA podcast Wait, after USC on. beat them. Like, hold, hold on, hold on. You, the Notre Dame grad that you are, <laughs> don't listen to Notre Dame podcast. I, I, I don't. I have too much that I could be doing otherwise, like, than, than wasting my time listening to an opposing team's podcast after they lost. I don't know. The only exception to that is when we listen to the What's Bruin show um, after USC beat UCLA. And that was literally just because we're supporting our friend Jake. We want to hear what he has to say. I genuinely actually wanted to hear what he had to say about that game. I wasn't like listening for Schrodenfrod or anything like that. Yeah, I actually we didn't felt... call him at eight in the morning the, the day after. No, but like I felt bad for, for Jake. Like I, yeah. you know, I don't go into it thinking like, ha ha. <laughs> Like you, you're sad now. Like yeah. No, I just look at it. And go, oh, man, it sucks. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry that you have to feel that way. while I get to enjoy this win. So, Glenn says I'm uh, going to Costco. Dollar fifty hot dog. Hey, that's the way to go. That's, that's the way to go. Yeah, that, that's absolutely. Uh, live in large. Stop the promo. Says eleven and two allows me to wear my SC gear with a spoiled children's spark. There you go. Yeah, that works. Um, Glenn also says, can USC please try to recruit actual high school punters instead of the Aussie kickers? <laughs> okay. So um, USC, I will give them I, – I, I'm going to make an excuse for USC. They had a punter recruited and set to come, and he – I don't know the reasons why. He backed out. He didn't come. This was like in August. Yeah. So they went out and just found whatever punter they could bring in because they needed a punter. So like – I don't know that they did a lot of vetting when it came to getting this latest Aussie punter. And I've also um, pointed out that uh, the uh, like we saw this with Ben Griffiths, his first season at USC, having never punted in a college in a football game before, was kind of difficult for him. He had to make a lot of an adjustment. Um, I don't know if that's the case with this punter. I will continue to say that like Caleb Williams is USC's best punter, but if Caleb Williams popped his hamstring in the first quarter, then like he couldn't be the pooch punter in this game. I don't know what USC is supposed to do. So, uh, so yeah. I, I simply don't care. 
USC's got an offense in which they punt like two times a game. USC didn't lose this game because the punting wasn't exceptional. Like USC had bigger fish to fry. Yeah, I'm tr- I'm trying to pull it up. Where's where's punting? Why do oh here you go punting? Uh, so first of all, no, he doesn't even qualify in the Pac-12 stats, so I can't even see how he qualified. That's for... the thing. He hasn't had to punt all that much. He hasn't looked good when he's been punting, but um, at this point. At, in this game, you know what I was thinking? I was just thinking, like, so long as he gets the punts off, I'm happy. Like, I was ready for a blocked punt to just ruin my night. So, so Aiden Sleep Dalton had 26 punts this season. Uh, my, well, in addition to how many did he have tonight in the Pac-12 championship game, he had four for an average of 41 and a half. Well, his average coming in was 40 flat. So he outperformed his average. Um, so 30 punts. And we'll say, you know, 40 and a half, give or take, uh, of an average. In uh, So if we go to the conference leaders, um, let's see, 25. that's like, yeah, that's it basically what mediocre is. I I, I don't think he was. I, he, he has I, not lost to I wouldn't judge USA Aussie punters on uh, Aiden Sleepdog. Especially when the best punters in college football probably over the last ten years have more or more likely than not been Aussie. Like that's that that don't paint that brush broadly. USC just doesn't have yeah. a particularly great punter this year. But Robert says if you graduated from Notre Dame, how are you a USC fan? That's what <laughs> I'm constantly wondered myself. Notre Dame high school, dude. Same, I got same thing. I got a DM. I got a DM from. Uh, <laughs> From somebody, I'm, I need to pull it up. It was on Facebook. Uh, who, uh, uh, Andrena, uh, who said, uh, Alicia, I love your podcast, and I feel like I need to come to your defense because you get a lot of flack for going to NDHS. You could be, in fact, be a Notre Dame high school alum and a true loyal USC fan. Signed, your fellow NDHS and USC alum. Like, yeah, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> The bit confuses the new people, Michael. It confuses the I new know. people. Hey, hey stop, stop. Notre Dame High School in Sherman Oaks. Doesn't go, confuse go people nice. nearly as much. Yeah. Yeah. We, what we need to do in the the home of is, Garrett Green. Home <laughs> of Garrett Green. Yeah. But, but, wait, wait until the new people find out we're sitting in the same room. I know, right? And then <laughs> that we're married. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, yeah. It's always a trip. Yeah. Um, Eric asked something earlier on. He says. Alicia, can we get a rant on how proud we should be of this team? Be incredibly proud of this team. Um, they are 11-2. and two. That's more wins than I expected this season, and they did it better than I expected them to this season. This USC team beat their, their main rivals, UCLA and Notre Dame, both ranked teams. This USC, is ahead of, USC team is ahead of schedule. This USC team has a Heisman winner at quarterback or he will be a Heisman winner at quarterback. Um, This USC team has dealt with adversity and played hard. And that doesn't always mean they've gotten the wins, but they've played hard while doing it. Um, Caleb Williams put his body on the line tonight. Austin Jones put his body on the line tonight. Travis Dye had put his body on the line all season before this. Andrew Voorhees had put his body on the line all season before this. Uh, Brett Nealon, the passion that he showed getting carted off the field was the spirit of this team. Um, Taj Washington being the unsung hero who continues to just go out there and grind and, and get the job done 
Um, even though he did have that one big drop, but like six catches, 93 yards and a touchdown, like that dude fights. Um, I know the defense is very frustrating. They were extremely frustrating um, to see them miss tackles the way that they did and, and to just sort of not uh, to just, you know, not come through in the end, but the defense also gave USC a plus, what did it come out to be plus 23 or plus 24 uh, turnover margin this year. Yeah. They turned, they, they got turnovers, they got stops, they held on for three quarters. Um, this is a team that is easy to root for. This is a team that gives you hope for the future. And um, if you are not proud of this team, then uh, I don't know how you how you process sports because uh, this team has been giving us reasons all season long to be very very proud of them. So yeah, yeah, you know, coming off twelve months of where where things were, yeah, abso- absolutely, yeah. Uh, you know, going into the season, I thought that you know Utah would be the the easy slam dunk uh, Pac-12 champ. Um, and ended up being a crazy season in which there were legitimately six teams in this conference, six, that I think that if you put them in the Pac-12 championship, they could have won a game. They yeah. could have they could have won the game. And yeah, it was an incredible year for the Pac-12. It was an incredible year for SC to uh, lead all of them in in the regular season, just twelve months after being a four and eight team with a new coach, bringing back the the idea of what SC could be. Yeah, it, it was it, all those things. And I know that tonight hurts. Uh, SC was looking at a playoff berth for the first time and, and all of that. Um, but yeah, still plenty of things uh, to look back on awesome. and, and feel good about. The other thing is, I think is utterly poetic and ha- hats off to the college football gods. SC had not had a two turnover game all year until this one. Mm-hmm. And what ends up clinching the game is... Caleb Williams fumbling in the fourth quarter down two scores uh, to which Utah picks it up and then ultimately scores a final garbage time touchdown. The, kudos to the college football guys. SC had not fumbled <laughs> in the entire season. Not a real fumble. Anyways, and so. Yeah, not a, not not a real a lo- fumble. Not lost a real fumble. Yeah. They had fumbled. They yeah, cause, because the only one that was on the board about a lost fumble was a uh, was an onside kick. And so we're to come out with this like, yeah, touche, touche, yeah, culture podcast. But uh, we will be back, as always, uh, w- with the podcast next week. We'll be back Monday night. Uh, and then from there, I don't know, we're going to we're gonna try to figure out what our schedule is going to be like for the bowl season. Uh, SC, presumably, we all are under the impression that SC is going to the Cotton Bowl to face most likely the best group of five teams. So we'll see what happens from there. Uh, and we'll put together a plan for the bowl season. We'll be here to preview it. We'll be here live on YouTube. Uh, and we hope you guys join along uh, with us for all of those as well. But more than anything, we want to give you guys a huge thank you uh, for joining us this season. We took a big leap of faith coming out over to YouTube. In addition to everything that we've always done. I know for me, this has been a, you know, we had, we've been doing this uh, way back for 10 years now. And it's our 11th season of the podcast. Alicia, this is your 10th season of the podcast. 
And uh, it has been something that has really identified us and identified us as people. Uh, it's, what, it's what brought us together and all those things. Um, at the same time, I think we got in a, in, a, in a place where the football was not good at USC. The stories, the storylines were very frustrating. It was tiring the last couple of seasons to come into a podcast and have every email be the same exact thing. And it's not that we were, you know, uh, tired of, 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 you know, talking about Clay Helton because we wanted to support Clay Helton's, uh, you know, uh, chances at USC or anything like that. It was just like, there's only so many times that we could read an email that says how tired of they are, uh, tired they are. Um, and on, so many times we can get on a podcast and complain and about the, 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 the product that SC is putting out there. We did that in plenty of it in 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, to the point where, honestly, at least in the, the, after like last season, I was very close to like walking away from this thing, I, like, I, from the podcast. I don't think people realize, uh, maybe they did because there were long stretches where we, uh, where we weren't podcasting. But like, I don't think people realize how close we were to just not doing the podcast anymore. Like yeah, that's like, how it joyless did not bring us joy. Yeah, it absolutely did not bring it us was joy. A, it was a chore. It was it, a, absolutely. A it chore. was a chore. Uh, we struggled. Uh, like, you know, we we moved and all those things and like. It was such a pain in the ass to get everything, uh, you know, together and and to 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 feel the the spark of podcasting again, uh, and going to YouTube uh, this this off season sounded scary, um, and it ultimately is has worked out for us I think, and uh, I now we're we're now back in the position to like sit here and, and talk about how, uh, you know, there, there's joy in the podcast again. There's joy in talking about SC again. Uh, unlike Red Eye Jedi, who, who's joined us in the chat and is an Oklahoma fan, it's got to be unfortunate to feel the inverse of that is to go on six and six. But when you look at mm-hmm. SC after the the where they've been, it's not just about SC being good. It really isn't. It's about us being on this podcast and having something to give you guys, something interesting to say, something interesting. You know, like this is the community that we've been doing this for so long that we've met so many of you guys we, in the chat. And- we had multiple people who we know exclusively through this podcast at our wedding. Like yeah, that's, right. that's how important this community has been to us. Yeah. And so for us to, you know, get to the point where the football is fun, but like the conversations are fun, even on a, on a, on a night where SC has a heartbreaking loss, arguably the most heartbreaking loss in like 15 years. It is. It's still. It's still incredible to sit here and and be, you know, thankful for for a long season in which uh, everything went together well, and uh, we appreciate you guys, and we will be back for the bowl season and beyond. So, onward and upward. And we're. Lo- I mean, I'm looking forward to uh, the future of of this podcast significantly more, um, both on YouTube. Maybe one day we'll get Michael a better camera so that he doesn't look like he's on potato no. cam. That's fine. Um, maybe mm-hmm. one day we'll find a way to travel and not have so many audio issues because one day we will not put me in charge of the audio. <laughs> um, you know, there's so much that uh, is going to be exciting to experience. 
uh, as this season continues. And yeah, I hope you guys are all ready to come along for the ride because uh, I think we are have renewed energy related to this podcast. And yeah. that's the fun thing about um, being able to come out of a, you know, I was sitting on the couch watching that game, just telling someone like, I don't even want to car cast. I don't want to, I, I just want to go lay in bed. I, I just, I got nothing. I got nothing after watching that game. And then we come on here and like we have our grief counseling session and we deal with the <laughs> trolls and we deal with the other people who are in here trying to process the game and be genuine fans. Uh, and uh, and then I feel much better. And now I'm like energized to say, yeah, let's get ready for recruiting season. Let's get ready for the transfer portal. Let's get ready for the Cotton Bowl. Let's get ready for the off season where we can debate who should have number 55 for the 50,000th time. Uh, I'm excited. Let's do it. All right, we'll be back later. As always, uh, be sure to uh, all, all of our of our new listeners here and new watchers over on YouTube. Be sure to like the stream and uh, subscribe so that way you join us going forward. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a review. We always love our reviews there, five stars, and we'll be like your best friend of all time. So. That, that's always a good deal. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I'm going to note that we didn't read a review on the uh, on the last preview episode, and I think Michael might have purposefully skipped it. Did I? Hold on. Hold on. I think you did. did are, are you are you baiting me I'm, here? I'm serious. Like, I was convinced that you saw it and skipped it because of what the message of it was. Okay. All right. Uh, fine. Fine. We'll do this. BJ from Inglewood. Five stars. The best Trojan pro- podcast by far, uh, BJ from Coltland. Michael knows it was Seahouse way before the nachos. Carson, <laughs> baby. Anyways, love the podcast for the last seven years. A shout of Cardinal Gold for my weekly fix. P.S. I'm glad Grinch heard me when he said, uh, when I said make DTR throw the ball, definitely not his strong point. Fight on for life. Uh, first of all, um, <laughs> first of all, the, yeah. Narbon just beat Carson in the playoffs. Mm, so, so who got that last laugh? Yeah, who got the last laugh there? Also, calling another football team the nachos. <laughs> I mean, the problem with this is, number one, my father's name is Nacho, and I like nachos. So, like, calling a team a nacho is, like, a, an insult. Like, it doesn't work for me because nachos are all good things in my life. So, Yeah. Well, you know, we, we talk about breakfast, like – rating um waffles pancakes and french toast mm-hmm. why do we not do the same thing with burritos quesadillas tacos and nachos all five four of those we should because because i i'm gonna sit here and, and make a bold like statement here what last thing before we we just completely go off here of those this? four, tacos are the worst. And I love tacos. See, I would have agreed with you until the tacos that coincidentally... But a quesadilla, better than tacos. Yes, I prefer quesadillas. A burrito, better than tacos. But then I think about Nachos, the, better than tacos. The tacos we just had on the Blackstone like, have almost convinced me that like tacos are supreme. And I've never been a tacos person. I've always been a burritos and quesadillas person. And with nachos come bring coming up third and then tacos fourth but like if i could have those tacos every week 
they were, I, they were I, good. But then again, but the they same had ingredient cheese. It was like but a the same ingredients that are in that not that were in those nacho in the in those tacos. You could put in a quesadilla, and I would be it would be fire. So like I don't know. Randy on YouTube says you can't stack them. You can't you can stack, stack them. nachos, baby. You can stack nachos. Well, yes. Uh, you can stack. Mr. Broom says burritos are greater than tacos are greater than nachos are greater than quesadillas. Okay, but the quesadilla, almost. the quesadilla um, thing, almost in, in agreement. But quesadilla being last is the same reason why, like, pancakes are sort of an in betweener, or or like the the ceiling is lower on on quesadillas. I, no, I think the ceiling is the lowest of a taco. The tacos have the no, lowest ceiling because, like I said, those tacos we had on the Blackstone just like transformed my life. Yes, but you could have also like if it was a quesadilla on the Blackstone. But be just that good. that's the thing is Not maybe better. and part of it was that they were El Pastor and like I never realized that like El Pastor is what I need in my it's life. El Pastor. So, El Pastor. Just think about it as a guy named Al Pastor. Yeah, Al Pastor. Yeah, it's not El Pastor. It's not who, like the Pastor. Who would have thought Al that Pastor like this? Al, Pas- Al Pastor tacos that we got in freaking Puyallup, Washington, would be the best thing that I've ever eaten. <laughs> but, you never know. All right, head uh, over to Vallarta and see if they have Al Pastor. We've been going too long. Uh, this this another troll of ours, um, Matt Kuma guy in the chat, is turned into all caps wronging us. So it's time for us to wrap it up. <laughs> So well, he did say chili kilos are breakfast nachos, and he is correct. So like, he's right on that. See, I like calling them chili kilos because it sounds sounds cool. Chili kilos. Chili kilos. Yeah. All right. Uh, until next time, we will see. Uh, um, we'll be back uh, Monday to talk more about the fallout of everything. Take your emails and so much more. Until then, have a good time with whatever you're doing. Uh, bright and early in the morning us and netherlands so let's let's get it yep the transference from spain's uh scary okay scary we're not going to talk about germany losing two okay i'm I, we, we we can't talk about that that here yeah too. you're having a rough time you really need the us to come through for you don't you yeah it's gonna work. everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.